Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole fucking thing off. Help me, anything move, we knock out. Let's go. I am the greatest. Go play intramurals, brother. They are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. What's going on, people? All right. We'd like to welcome all of you to another edition of Zone Coverage on T2Q. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And tonight, we're going to get into uh, quite a bit involving the NFL. also discuss a little boxing. And then if you hang around for the podcast extra that comes after the show then we'll talk about the ncaa playoffs um and eric weddle and his former team the ravens and willie taggart but uh first if you want to follow the show you can go to talk to q.com that's talk number two q.com sign up for the email newsletter and this show will be in your inbox every time it airs. It will be right there waiting on you. And you can also follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. All right. Go ahead and get started. and go to the phone lines to the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, to welcome on the homie Buck. Buck, what it do? How's everyone doing this evening? Outstanding, man. And how are things on your end? Happy Thanksgiving. Pretty good. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. For sure. And no time to lollygag. Let's get straight to the body bag. Pittsburgh 16, Cincinnati 10. 47,000. Oh, that's a low number. 47,000 at Paul Brown Stadium. Saw the Steelers up their record to 6-5, while the Bengals dropped to 0 and 11 and um, this game wasn't necessarily a, a fun game to watch unless you just had three hours and eight minutes to watch paint dry. But in any event, um, the Steelers dominated on the ground with 160 yards rushing to Cincinnati's 86. Um, they outgained them by almost 100 yards. The Bengals had two turnovers to the Steelers' one. They are both even and penalty yardage for the most part, but the Steelers won the time of possession um, by almost 10 minutes. Mason Rudolph was 8 for 16 for 85 yards, an interception and a sack before he got benched with his 39.8 quarterback rating. Devlin Hodges came in 5 for 11, but he did have 118 yards, a touchdown. He was also sacked twice. Benny Snell had 98 yards rushing, um, 21 carries. And James Washington, three catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown, 79 of that coming on one play. So, Buck, let's start here. What um, did your guys do wrong to get behind, and what did you do right to pull out the win? Well, I mean, to get behind, we just started out slow like we've been doing just about all year. I mean, Akron took out, you know, they jumped out to an early lead, 
you know, I'm calling them Akron because Cincinnati. Uh, that's I'm just not going to go with them at Cincinnati anymore until they win a football game. So um, the thing is, is that, you know, we just didn't start out the way we needed to. Um, offensive line play was really garbage. Um, it really just didn't uh, – we weren't stopping Geno Atkins and company. They were just dominating us, on you know, at the line of scrimmage. And um, Mason just didn't have time to throw the football. The one interception, he, we threw it in an interception early. The ball was tipped because his hand got hit. We were out, we were driving the ball up and down the field just when we get to the when we were getting to the red zone. We just wasn't scoring and um, making you know getting a lot of pressure up the middle. So we just needed to do something you know get a spark. And I figured at the third quarter, you know, we needed to really get get out there and get with it, and we didn't. And they pulled them and put put uh, Devlin Hodges in and Devlin, you know, created that spark that we needed. And we just marched down the field and, you know, big play to James Washington. And, you know, we got the lead back. So the defense stepped up. I mean, the defense was playing well the whole game, but the defense stepped up and, you know, we started getting turnovers and sacks and things of that nature. And we got back, we got back in the lead and held it. And we stopped them. I mean, defense was just, you know, it was a very, very good defensive game if you like defensive football. But, you know, it's just that, you know, they just got out to a lead and we just couldn't get a lead until we changed quarterback. So, in so, the, in so the what end, do you think about still is, under, is still <laughs> winless. What, what do you think about um, Thomas' decision to change winless. quarterback? Um, do you think he should have done it sooner? Did he do it at the right time? And are you cool with um, Devin Hodges going forward? I was cool with Devin Hodges in, in, in preseason. Um, Devin Hodges is a good quarterback. I don't know if anybody knows his numbers, but this rascal threw for over 15,000 yards in Sanford. And um, he, he threw for 70-plus touchdowns. This kid can, can absolutely throw a football. Um, and I think now, if I, uh, you may have to look this up, I think he he run in um, he leads the NCAA in pass in, in touchdowns and passing efficiency. So um, just he's a good kid, and I just think that Mason just has a a little bit of the uh, happy feet syndrome that that um, Peyton Manning has, where you know when he's getting pressured. You know, we, um, you know, he just didn't, he's just not comfortable in the pocket. And I keep saying this, I've said this several times, but the biggest loss we had was losing um, Mike Munchak over there to Denver in a lateral move. Our offensive line play is just not where it needs to be. Sean Scarrett, would, you know, even though he got his tutelage from um, Munchak, he's still not doing, something's off. Our guys are just not – we got pretty much the same guys we had last year. He's just not – the offensive line play has to be better. And that's the reason why we've been struggling run-wise, and I think that's the reason why Mason has been struggling. Um, plus, you got to think about this, too. We lost our wide receiver coach in preseason. So, we, you know, we have an interim wide receiver coach. Um, we got rid of Dante Moncrief. We thought he was going to be something. But the players that we picked up last week, I mean, all of them contributed. So Mike, Mike Thomas looking like a genius right now because we're picking up players off of other people's practice squads 
and they're going out there and shining. And I think we may have found somebody in Dean Kane, wide receiver, number 17, 62202. And, you know, he might actually end up being being something if he continues to impress. And White, who came in at running back, and we picked up off the Chicago practice squad. You know, we started the game with him because we were, didn't know how, how well Benny Snell was going to do, and he contributed very well. So all the players we picked up last yeah. week all contributed in a big way. And White we, averaged seven yards. Know, so we got, we got players. Yep. Yeah, so we got, we got players out there averaging, you know, we got players out there that's, you know, from other teams and out there doing doing what they need to do to win the football game. And sometimes, okay. you know, I'll take a third-string player he's going to get out there and do what he needs to do. I know that's right. Tomlin looking like a genius right now. Sixteen. All right. Well, on the other side, um, Zach Taylor doesn't look like much of a genius for Cincinnati. Ryan Finley was 12 of 26, 192 yards and a touchdown, uh, sacked four times, fumbled once. Um, he's being benched once again, and the devil has regained his starting position. See what happens when you don't stay prayed up. Um, Joe Mixon, <laughs> 79 yards off of 18 carries. So he didn't have a horrible game, but he just wasn't able to break the big one. And you have Tyler Boyd, five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Cincinnati is pathetic. Marvin Lewis is, is, is somewhere laughing. Marvin Lewis said, I probably lost every playoff game I've ever participated in, but doggone it, you got there. So uh, I guess you picked your poison. But they're going to have a good draft pick to see if they can build on that come next year. All right, moving on to San Francisco 37, Green Bay 8. 71,500 fans. At Levi's Stadium, witnessed the 49ers go to 10 and 1. They probably should have gotten two victories uh, for beating them this bad. The Packers dropped to 8 and 3. It was 23 to nothing at halftime. And I mean, the Packers were never really into this game at all. The 49ers um, did it on the strength of their defense. You know, they didn't really, um, they held the Packers to under 200 yards. Total offense, uh, and they they just boy they they got after Aaron Rodgers. Tw- Aaron Rodgers was twenty for thirty three, a hundred and four yards, a touchdown, sacked five times, and he had a fumble. Uh, Jamal Williams had forty five yards rushing on eleven carries, and Devontae Adams had forty three yards receiving on seven catches, and he had a touchdown. So let's start with the Packers first, Buck. Um, Aaron Rodgers, this, I haven't seen him getting beat up like this in a long time. Is that offensive line crumbling? Did, are the 49ers just that good? What did you think? Well, the first order of business with Brian Belaga got, got hurt very early in this game, which is dead left tackle. Um, so th- that was, that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And, and once that happened, there was nobody protecting Aaron Rodgers' blind side. So they could just tee off. They tried several different line options, trying to shift some of the, you know, trying to shift Bakhtiari and some of the other players around to try to help him get some sort of protection. It just didn't work. Um, defense for the 49ers is just, man, they're on point. 
these boys are dangerous, man. And, you know, they're, you know, you often hear coaches saying you want your, if you can get pressure with four guys and your back, you know, your defensive backs are covering everybody in the back, you know, you got Richard Sherman back there leading that defense, man. I mean, Green Bay had no chance at all. I mean, they whooped, they were whooping on their behind from the very beginning. Once Brian Belaga went out, it was over. I mean, and they they I'm surprised Aaron Rodgers didn't break another collarbone the way he was getting hit. So they were mauling him back there. It was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, what I saw, um, I went to sleep in the third quarter. I was like, I had had enough of watching this beat down. Jimmy Garoppolo um, was efficient, 14 of 20 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, sacked three times, quarterback rating of 145.8. Um, Raheem Mostert, Mostert had 45 yards rushing on six carries and a touchdown, and George Kittle, six catches, 129 yards and a touchdown. Let me go to the 732 area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, and welcome on Ray. Ray, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's up, Q? Who else on, bro? Yeah. What's up, Ray? Hey, what's up, bro? And so, Ray, San Francisco, um, they were very efficient on offense, and they just dropped a hammer on the Packers and on defense, man. And, you know, all season long, I've been sitting here like, okay, the 49ers, just how good are they? Just how good are they? I had my doubts. But I don't think they left any doubt on Sunday that they're a good team the way they shut down the Packers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to be extremely hard to beat because they have uh, them guys across their front line. And, I mean, I'm trying to think. You know, it's, it's hard to compare them to other guys like Reggie White and guys when they was in Philadelphia and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and all them, Mike Goley. And, you know, people don't want you to make those type of comparisons early. But I I can't uh, remember seeing a defensive line that's this good that all play together, all these guys are first-round picks. Eric Armstead, uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, and of course, D Ford. When you got that many guys that can rush the passer, they can beat anybody. So, you know, that's what makes the team real good. I mean, Garoppolo is a, is a, is a pretty good quarterback, but that defense is what makes the team go. And you know, they loaded with running backs. You know, any one of them guys can get in there and run for 100 yards, and. You know, it's interesting to see what they're going to be able to do against Baltimore and maybe one or two other teams. But I'm trying to think in recent memory, do I remember any team going from the number two pick to this? You know, these guys is is uh, really bringing it. And I think they can win. Only thing you can say is the inexperience in the young. But other than that, they look good, man, the way they just – they held Aaron Rodgers, I want to say, to what, 140 yards passing or something like that, which, yeah. is, which is crazy. Yeah. I know he don't have a lot of people to throw to, but just by him being Aaron Rodgers himself, he shouldn't have been shut down like that. But, 
you know, when you get when you play on a team when them guys come off the ball, you know, it's nothing you could do. I mean, we saw it with the Giants years ago in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. When you guys come off the ball like that, it's nothing you could do. So I think San Francisco is the team to beat. So we'll know more when they when they play Baltimore soon, but I think they're the team to beat. Okay. And, you know, you hear folks saying all the time that Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, he's made Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison and Valdez Scantling and all that other stuff. But make no mistake about it, these guys are not elite receivers. And, and folks have to understand that because folks always want to say Aaron Rodgers made these guys. I mean, yes, he has, you know, made them successful. But I don't want folks to think like these are elite receivers because folks talk like sometimes I hear people talk about these receivers as if, you know, well, what's wrong? How come Aaron Rodgers can't get production out of this? I, I mean, these guys are, are number twos and number threes on a lot of teams. You know, Devontae Adams is real good, you know. But I'm just saying, um, you know, Alan Lazard, I, I think Green Bay needs to upgrade their their receiving core and get them a, a good number one in there. And um, then you can really see a difference with that offense because I, I think Rodgers is being asked to do a lot, in my opinion. But, all right. We'll move on to Jets 34, Raiders 3. 78,000 people at MetLife Stadium saw the Jets up their record to 4-7, and seven, the once winless Jets. And the Raiders dropped to 6-5. and five. And this game was 13-3 uh, at the half. And in the second half, the, Raiders, you know, the Jets just kind of ran off of things. They had 21 first downs to the Oakland Raiders, 10. Uh, 401 total yards to the Raiders, 208. Uh, Raiders had two turnovers. Um, penalties were even. Third down conversions were virtually even. And the Jets only had about three more minutes of uh, time of possession. So for these numbers to be so close, Ray, how in the world is the score so far off? Well, I, I don't think um, we we came to play on Sunday. I mean, it was close. I believe the first quarter was three to three or something like that. But then, seemed like the Jets was just about scoring it at will. And I think once Josh Jacobs got stopped, the offense got stopped. I mean, Jets got a number two or number one rush defense or something like that, but it's real close to the top. And you know it was it was disappointing because that's a game that we really needed. You know you got Kansas City next week. It's always a chance we could win the game, but you know if you was on the betting side, eighty percent of people gonna say Kansas City should win the game. So we really needed the Jets game. But I give Jets credit; it was hot. Sam Donald was hot. We couldn't stop him, and you know. Le'Veon Bell looked like the old Le'Veon Bell on some of these plays. So, I mean, it, it was a game that, you know, although the Jets have a losing record, and I believe they won two or three in a row or something like that, so it looked like they hit me stride. But, you know, to say the least, I was 
very disappointed because I could have always thought, I almost thought about going to this game because, you know, people in the area, they talking about it. And some people I know went and stuff like that. So, I mean, that had been disappointing. You go see the team in person and amongst all those Jets fans and they get the ass kicked like that, you know. But, you know, after a while, you can't talk anymore. You get beat like that. And we just got dogged from pretty much the second quarter on. So, you know, I hope that we can play up to our potential. I mean, it wasn't the injuries on Sunday. It was just we just got outplayed and outcoached too. So, you know, no no excuses, man. We just got thumped. Okay. Well, um, you know, I, I would like to take credit as a Cowboys fan for us being the spark to the Jets season when they beat us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They didn't beat us no 34 to 3. But uh, Derek Carr, 15 <laughs> for 27, 127 yards, um, an interception and a sack. Uh, Josh Jacobs had 34 yards rushing on 10 carries. Uh, and Jalen Richard, the running back, six catches for 47 yards to lead all receivers. Sam Darnold was 20 for 29, 315, two touchdowns, one sack. Uh, so he's been looking a lot more like what everyone had projected. You know, maybe he's still getting over that mono. I don't know. But uh, he's looking a lot better, the kissing bandit. Le'Veon Bell, 49 yards rushing on 12 carries, 59 yards receiving on five catches. And Robbie Anderson, Bone Thugs, and Harmony had four catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Ray, and one, one thing before we move on from this game. Um, how how do you feel about Derek Carr though, man? Do you still think that you know you're gonna you're gonna ride with him? Um, are you are you interested in a free agent, or how do you feel about your quarterback? Ray. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on, I'm on uh, mute. I said, yeah, Derek Carr. He's um. He's, he's a good quarterback. I think he makes some untimely mistakes when he shouldn't make them. But when he's on, he's on. I think his completion percentage is like second in the league or something like that. So he's playing all all, all uh, Pro Bowl football. It's just that, you know, when he makes these mistakes, he's just untimely. And this week was especially hard. He usually completed about 72%. But, you know, he completed – you know, I don't know, 50-something percent in, in this game. But those guys were coming off the ball. They were hitting, you know, Jamal Adams. Everybody was coming off the ball hitting. So, I mean, the Jets, for them to try to blow the football team up, they got some young guys in there that they can play. And C.J. Mosley and them ain't even there yet. So, you know, I, I think they got, a, they got a bright future. They just need to stick with it and, and – play up to the abilities, I think they'll be all right soon. But, um, yeah, Derek Carr, I, I like him as a quarterback. I think he's going to be all right. I mean, he can really piss you off when you make a mistake, but when you look at his play and other quarterbacks around the league, if I had to rank Carr somewhere, I would put him probably anywhere from 12 to to, to 15 as a quarterback, maybe something like that. 
And I think when you're on the bottom, top half of the league, you got to take that. Okay. All right. We shall move on. New England 13, Dallas 9. 65,878 people at Gillette Stadium saw the Patriots up their record to 10 and 1. Cowboys dropped to 6 and 5. And this game, um, I mean, it was fairly even. I mean, first down, 16, 17 to 16. Rushing yards, 109 to 101. Um, passing yards, 212 to 190. Um, penalties, 50 yards to 56 yards. Time of possession only separated by, um, <clears throat> looks like by a minute. So, it was an even game, but the difference was hidden yardage. Special teams, something that Bill Parcells used to harp on back when he was coaching the Giants and the Patriots and the Cowboys. He always talked about that hidden yardage, and it did Dallas in. Um, they gave up a block, block punt, which led to a 10-yard pass. From Brady to Nikhil Harry. Uh, matter of fact, I think every every point that the Patriots got came off of a special teams miscue or or they did have an interception. Uh, so uh, the the Patriots took advantage of it, like what good teams do, and they made the difference. Tom Brady was seventeen for thirty seven. 190 yards, a touchdown, two sacks. Um, he did not have a great game. Sonny uh, Michelle had 85 yards rushing on 20 carries, so he was solid. And Julian Edelman did his thing, eight catches for 93 yards. But, Buck, as far as what the Patriots showed on Sunday, the Patriots showed that they're beatable, but when you got Bill Belichick as your coach, they're still unbeatable. And just, I mean, their offense was just, just, just lackluster. Not sure what's going on with it. Um, it just doesn't look very uh, New England Patriot-like. I'm, I'm, and this is going to come back to hunt these guys in the playoffs if they continue to play this way. Um, their defense is keeping them in games, but now their defense is even starting to suffer because these guys are, are just getting tired. I mean, you could visibly tell that these guys were definitely tired playing you guys um, because the game was so evenly matched. Um, you just got they got to start scoring points. Um, some of it could be Tom Brady. Some of it could be, you know, just the fact that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the blueprint's out there. You know, maybe it's just, you know, it's finally catching up to where people just know that, hey, you know, we can get, you know, we can get these guys. I don't know what's going on with it, but they're going to get it fixed and get it fixed fast. I mean, their defense is holding everybody point-wise down. I mean, this is like the 11th, 10th or 11th team that they, you know, kept teams under 14 points or whatever, or even less than 10 points. It's just that they're going to have to tighten up. And it's just, I don't think they can sustain playing this way. Their offense is sustained. I don't care who it is. I know Bill Belichick is supposed to be the man. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this kind of ass whooping, you know, continually, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, I I think well, that, that I really mean, you it. said it probably. Go ahead, Ray. Probably twenty times, but I, I think I think Brady is just getting older. I mean, he, me, we, everybody's getting older, but I think the age is really starting to show up on him a little bit. So, you know, because although they don't have great receivers, they do have a receiving core. They do have running backs, so they should be able to move the ball. They had injuries on the offensive line and stuff before, so it's not that. But, man, all you can come up with is, you know, 13 points. That's rough, you know what I mean? And I don't think it's going to be enough to get them through, especially if they play a team like Baltimore. You know, Belichick is going to have a plan. But when you get a guy like Jackson playing like that, I don't think you got the best plan. If he on his game, you can you can hold him down. So pretty much, I don't know. We'll see him. I don't. I don't think the Patriots are happy with their receivers, though. They've turned over more receivers this year than any season that I can recall. Um, they've been through a ton of them, so I don't think they're happy with their receivers. But they're they're trying to make do. On the other side, Dallas has a ton of talent, but they have no coaching. Um, Dak Prescott was 19 for 33, 212 yards and an interception. Um, Ezekiel Elliott had 86 yards rushing on 21 carries. Another 40 yards receiving. And Randall Cobb led all receivers with four catches for 86 yards. And from what I can see in this game, fellas, um, I mean, the offense did what they had to do. Unfortunately, they had some mistakes that cost them drives. Uh, well, they had some penalties that cost them drives. They got two tripping penalties that weren't tripping, tripping penalties that helped stall drives, and they had a holding uh, that helped stall the drive, stall the drive as well. So they were, you know, shooting themselves in the foot for all intents and purposes. Uh, but the main problem, the main aggravation for me was special teams. They made so many mistakes. Some of it cost them dearly. Others cost them field position. Um, why in the world are you standing in the end zone when the Patriots are kicking against the wind and popping the ball up to the 20-yard line and you got to run 20 yards to try to field the ball? They had plenty of mistakes, and that's, that's coaching. Um, your coach has to tell you, you know, to move up. I mean, well, you think a player would have common sense, but, you know, the coach is supposed to ensure that happens. You had a situation where you're about to punt and the Patriots don't have anyone over the gunner. And instead of throwing him the ball or at least just kicking the ball and, you know, with no return man, they didn't have a return man either. Um, they got confused. They sat there and stared like, well, how come they don't have anybody back to return the kick? You know, how come they don't have anybody over the gunner? And they got a delay of game. And then the very next uh, play after that, you get an illegal shift because your gunner goes in motion because he's not sure what to do because the Patriots look like they're going for a block. And they lose 10 yards. And after, you know, they had already punted the ball, it would have been down on the 18-yard line. Instead of it being down on the 18, it ends up being – Caught um, at the 38-yard line, which is 20 yards of field position. And the Patriots only have to go about 30 yards to kick a field goal, which made it 13 uh, to 6. And so, kind of like the go-ahead field goal. 
And the punt block was just an amazing play. That's what Slater does. Slater is, you know, a seven-time pro bowler on special teams. And that was an amazing play to jump and reach his arm out to the left and block that ball. So I'm not going to even trip on that. But just the, the, the yardage we lost as far as return returns for ourselves and the yardage we lost just doing stupid stuff. I, I think it's all on Jason Garrett. And Jerry Jones is very upset about it. Um, Jerry Jones has been, uh, you know, tickling Jason Garrett's balls for 10 years now. He's not even getting the courtesy of a reach around. And he's about sick of it. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of understand his position. I hope he's serious and put some pressure on, on Jason Garrett uh, as far as, you know, letting him know that he's going to be out of a job as soon as the season ends if he doesn't reach a certain point. Which, for me, if Jason Garrett doesn't reach the Super Bowl, I'd be willing to let him go. I don't care if he gets to the championship game at this point. I'd be willing to start fresh with somebody else. But uh, Dallas just continues to disappoint, man. I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, it's like... Being a Cowboys fan is like being that that chick whose boyfriend is cheating on her for the thirty eighth time, but he keeps telling you he gon he not gonna do it no more. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't brought home herpes, good, gonorrhea, everything else, but you still keep taking them back or whatever. But um. Yeah, it's rough, Damn. man. It's rough. I ain't gonna lie. Keep staying and hanging in there though, because I'm loyal to my team. Like, but, but I swear, if 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 Jerry Jones, it's like, say what? It's like what Ray Rose said. It's like somebody coming into your <laughs> home and starting your wife and kid. Man, I hope it ain't never that it's bad. like being a Cowboys fan. I hope it ain't ever that bad. I don't know what happened to Ray Rose that day to make him say that. I don't either. You can't find that sound back anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, man. But that's a game. Another game they could have won. They could have won the Saints game. They could have won that game. You know, the Patriots game. They should have beaten the uh, the Jets. I mean, you can just go back through, man, and it's like, you know, so many missed opportunities. Last year they were winning these close games. This year they're not. Doing I'll just. It's like it's like I said earlier in the year, and you wasn't agreeing with me. But I think you agree with me now. I mean, the thing about Jason Garrett, I mean, there's a lot of times he 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 kind of, he kind of reminds me of um, what was the coach uh, coach for the Indianapolis Colts? He ended up going to Detroit, and he ended up getting fired up there too. Um, I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> I call him, I call him the Black Bill Belichick because he just stand there. He just stand there. Oh, uh, Cal- uh, Caldwell. Oh, you telling him about Caldwell? Caldwell. Yeah, yeah. So the thing was is that I mean, Jason Garrett. A lot of times, I don't think he knows what the hell he's calling out there. Or knows what the the other coaches are calling. First of all, and ever since he's been coached. I mean, you pretty much, I mean, you can be a casual fan and you know what Dallas is going to call. I mean, they don't, they don't deviate away from their game plan very often. And I I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm a Steeler fan, but still, I mean, I watch enough Dallas games to know I'm going like, golly, I know what they're getting ready to call. Mix it up. 
You know, you can't just pass on first down, run on second down, run on third down. And then, you know, and if you don't do that, then you run on first down, run on second down, pass on third down. It's, there's no, you know, you got to mix it up a little bit. And Jason Garrett doesn't have the balls to go over there and talk to his offensive coordinator and say, hey, can we change this up a little bit? I mean, it's like it's almost like Jason Garrett needs to study what's going on so he'll, he can make in-game changes, if that makes sense. So he's just letting – he's just basically standing there supervising and not pulling the offensive coordinator and his team over and saying, look, guys, this is what you got to do right here. Or pulling your defense over and pulling the defensive coordinator over and saying, hey, this is what we need to do so we can kind of – you got to sometimes get make some on, you know, in-game decisions and make some changes. Because if you don't do that, then, you know, he's just standing there with his hand on his chin. You can't do that. Game, you know, we're in November football now. You 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 got what you got. You either injured or you're not injured. And if you want to make a playoff push, you got to make better plays than what you you know. You got to make better play calls. I mean, he's got to go back to the drawing board and do something because you know the only way there's only one team coming out the East this year, and that's going to be the division champion. And it's it's a two horse race. It's Eagles and Dallas. Right now, Dallas got the upper hand. But y'all's schedule not favorable. And if the Eagles get hot, it's over. So he better make some changes if he want to keep a job. But That's I do agree I do agree. I think he really needs to if he doesn't make it to the play if he makes it to the playoffs, he needs to at least make it to the championship game. If not, he's fired. And well, like I said, I um uh, I, I agree with you that he needs to do more on the sidelines. I'm fine with the play calling. You don't have the number one offense in the league without being uh, being good with play calling. So I'm not worried about that. And I don't think it's predictable because nobody could stop it up until yesterday. But, uh, I, 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 well, Sunday. I do think that uh, that I was noticing, like, like during the game, Bill Belichick had his little notepad. And when stuff happened, he wrote stuff down. You know, they showed Jason Garrett. He was sitting there looking like he was listening to Pandora on his headset. And... You know, then they showed know, Bill right? Belichick going over to talking to the defense, like like Buck was talking about. Yeah, he doesn't. He has no presence during the game. He has no presence. You know, he just facilitates, and once he gets to the game, he's a spectator. Um, outside of you know challenging or calling you know dumb timeouts or something like that. Another problem I had during the game uh, with him and with Amari Cooper, when Amari Cooper met, tried to make that tough catch. On fourth and um, eleven, I think uh, Amari Cooper. I mean, there has to be some kind of system in place where you're you know if you caught a ball or not, okay. And if you didn't catch yep. a ball in I a situation that. like that, you need to line up and try to run a play, okay. And either your coach has to have the wherewithal, or the player has to have the wherewithal to say, hey. Get up to the line. I don't care if you got to spike it because it's fourth down. If you, if you lose a challenge, then you don't get the ball back, you know. It's fourth down. Get up and yeah. make a play. And the Cowboys got went to the line of scrimmage like they had six minutes left in the game. And, you know, that gave the people upstairs yeah. time it, enough it to stop the game. And I've seen – Yeah, way too, much, seen, way, way too I, much time had lapsed. Right, right. I've seen Belichick do it. Um and I've seen uh, Sean McVay do it. 
um, in games where a catch or something is kind of questionable to where the receiver would just sprint back to the line of scrimmage and everybody else will follow suit and they'll run a play. You know, and, you know, sometimes they get it off, sometimes they don't. But they'll run a play to try to get past that challenge. And, again, to me, that's coaching. I mean, Amari Cooper knew he didn't catch that ball. I mean, it looked like he did. And, I don't know, maybe he felt like he did. But I, I, I think that as a coach, you got to be like, man, it's fourth down. Y'all run that play. I don't care if you spike the ball. I'd rather lose a down than a lose lose a possession. But, uh Amari knew he didn't catch that ball, but you, you could tell by his damn body language. He knew he didn't catch it. It's Not just, about his body language. Nobody you can't tell when he's nobody, happy to say it. And you, you got to be able – you got to get up and, and get get with it. I mean, the good coaches, your Belichick's, your, you know, your Tomlin's, whoever, you know, you, you Shanahan, all them guys, if, they, if it's a question, if it's questionable catch, they were hurrying up to the line of scrimmage and trying to beat these guys. You got to because, you know – it comes to a point when you get to November, you have to consider that anything can happen, whether it could be a bad call um, or what have you. So if it's questionable, you got to hurry up and get to the line of, line of scrimmage and get this shit done. But if not, you know, it, it could be the balance of the game. What if it wasn't catching and they didn't, and they'll give you some of this bullshit, they'll say, they'll say, it's not enough, not enough evidence to overturn it. Some bullshit like that, and you're screwed. So you yeah. you got to you got to have somebody in place to be you're able to say, "Hey, hurry up, get this ball and, off, or whatever." And I know some people were upset over the referees and and the tripping calls and stuff. And yeah, that was part of it, but that's that's not why they you know they they lost. That may have been what stopped the drive, but I mean. The, why they lost happened prior to all of that, for the most part, if you ask me. And that was special yeah. teams and lack of coaching. And at this point, um, I don't know if they want to bring in Lincoln Rowley or not. Uh, at this point, I'd be happy with Charles Nelson Rowley. But but, but I, I'm so sick of Jason Garrett right now, man. <laughs> it don't make no sense. It doesn't make any sense for a team to be favored in, like, you know, nine of the 11 games you've played this year. And then you've lost, you know, five of them. That's just ridiculous. All right, we'll move on to last night's game. Baltimore, 45, the Rams, 6. 72,000 people at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Uh, saw the Ravens up their record to 9-2, and two, and the Rams dropped to 6-5. and five. They probably should have dropped to 6-6 six and six, as bad as they got beaten. Uh this game was ridiculous. Twenty-eight to six at halftime, and um, I mean, man, this dog on Lamar Jackson was just looked like he had a cheat code for Madden last night. Fifteen for for twenty, one hundred and sixty-nine yards, which is not very much, but he didn't have to do much. Out of those fifteen throws, five of them were for touchdowns. Um, he was sacked twice. He ran for another 95 yards, you know, just because. Mark Ingram had 111 of the angriest yards I've ever seen. Um, that dude that like somebody exactly. tried to take his ego or something, let go of his ego. Miles um, Boykin <laughs> had two catches for 54 yards. And Ray, I mean, you know, people can't say enough about Lamar Jackson and what he's done. At one point, you know, I was like, okay, yes, him or Russell Wilson for the MVP. But right now, man, I think he stands alone. 
No, I mean, he's having a remarkable season, a crazy season, but I, I still wouldn't say he's pulling away from Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson over there putting teams on his back, and he's winning big games, too. He may not be winning by 30 points, but he's winning games, too. Now, if I probably have to pick one of the two, yeah, it, it could be a toss-up on either one. But, you know, with Lamar Jackson, it's just something that people have never seen before. Because a lot of guys out is they always like to bring up Michael Vick, Michael Vick. And to me, Michael Vick was one of the first of his kind to do things the way he did it. But he was not a great quarterback. He couldn't read defenses. He didn't study. He didn't do this and that. But what Lamar Jackson is seeing that kid last year compared to how he is now, you can tell he put a lot of focus, a lot of time, and a lot of effort in making his game better. And right now, he is light years better than he was last year. Because now... He can throw it in right. But before, he was pretty much just a runner with a strong arm. Now he's a a dual threat. And, you know, if the kid can stay healthy, he can get him one or two Super Bowls in there before they figure out what's happening. And then who knows if they can stop it because we never see it before. But... Man, he 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 playing some some football that we've never seen before. So you know it's gonna be hard to stop. That's why I say the San Francisco game is gonna tell a lot because they gonna be meeting at the quarterback. Will he be there or will he be down the field? We we'll, we'll see. But yeah, Lamar Jackson is is playing out of his mind right now. Most definitely. And Buck, the Rams um, couldn't get it going. Jared Goff was 26 of 37, 212 yards, two interceptions, and two sacks. Ty Gurley had 22 yards rushing on just six carries. And Robert Woods, six catches, 97 yards. Um, Jared Goff almost looks like back in the days when Jeff Fisher was coaching. But... um, the Rams look like they're getting bullied right now, man. Their offensive line is, is not where it needs to be, and it looks like other teams are just pushing them around, but Man, uh, I don't know what's going on with the Rams. I, I just think uh, the best way to describe it is he, they've been exposed. Um, everybody's caught up to that Sean McVay offense. Um it's not Todd Gurley anymore. You can't blame it on him. I know that's the first thing they say. Todd Gurley's not doing this. He's not doing that. Todd Gurley's getting the run. It's just that, you know, when you're having to play from behind the chains, um, you know, you're having to pass. And, see, the thing, is, the thing about that offense, they just have a number one receiver. That's it. They just got Cooper Cup. That's it. Uh, the other guys out there, I mean, they got another big name receiver on the other side, but you don't never hear his name called, Okay. Because he's not getting the ball to him. Um, so the offensive line play is garbage. Who, Brandon Cooks? I mean, they're not playing well at all. They're getting Brandon Cooks. Yeah. So, Brandon Cooks, uh, So you got, you know, you're not, you, the offensive line play is absolute garbage. The defense is staying on the field too long and maybe maybe a little long in the tooth because you have 
Clay Matthews out there. You got Weddle out there. Uh, I mean, those guys got got some miles on that tread. So, you know, they ain't got but about, you know, nine seventeenths or, you know, eight-tenths or whatever you want to call it, tread left. So these guys long in the tooth, and you got Matthews coming back from a jaw, jaw-breaking injury. You know, he's trying to get all his strength back. Um, you just got your boy from Jacksonville over there, and he's still trying to learn the defense. So you got all these stars, but you don't have you don't have any gelling. You don't have a nucleus. You don't have these guys playing together as a unit. And to put all these, I mean, some coaches can get it, you know, get these guys to play. But some of the, you know, this Sean McVay still, you know, he's still a kid himself. So it's really kind of hard to get all these guys to play this late in the season. And when you're always coming from behind, I mean, you, you got to get a lead and keep a lead. And, see, the Rams are not built like that. And Aaron Donald last night, you didn't hear his name called but one time. And that was because he was on, you know, they were, you know, I think he had one tackle the whole game. He was neutralized. So, I mean, in their division, <laughs> I, one time I thought they were actually going to try to try to make the playoffs. But this is one of them divisions where I thought three teams could come out. It ain't but two coming out of there, San Francisco and Seattle. Um, they really needed to win last night's game. The Rams will not make the playoffs, period. In italics, underline, bold, in quotation marks, with, quota- with exclamation point. They will not make the playoffs. Okay. So, um, you think they're going to make the playoffs? No, I'm just kidding. Um, one thing I'm curious about, their draft pick, um, I don't forgot his name, Daryl Henderson, the running back from Memphis. I wonder why he's not getting any time. Anybody heard anything about that? No. I want the same thing. Because in Memphis, man, he's going on. He had crazy average, like, eight-point-something yards of carry and all this and that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm wondering, you know. This is the guy he was He was a third-round pick, and – um. I mean, you know, I was expecting him to to do a little something, but he only has 33 carries for 123 yards this year, 133 yards, 123. So, um, I don't know what's going on with that. But, all right. And Seattle 17, Philadelphia 9. Almost 70,000 in Lincoln Financial Field field booed the, the Eagles. As they drop to five and six, Seattle gets a tough road win to go to nine and two. And this game was pretty close until about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter where Rashad Penny bust out a 58-yard run and make it 17-3. to three. Uh, The Eagles got a touchdown with 23 seconds left to Zach Ertz, which helped my fantasy team, but did nothing for their their chances. Russell Wilson was 13 for 25, 200 yards, a touchdown, interception, sacked six times, and he fumbled. So they harassed him pretty good. Rashard Penny had 129 yards off of 14 carries and a touchdown. And they were led in, by, in receiving by Tyler Lockett, who had 38-yard receiving on one catch. And Ray Chris Carson, um, I don't know if he got hurt or not. Do you know? 
what happened? The reason why Rashad Penny got so many carries was Rashad Penny just a hot hand, or do you have any knowledge of that? I didn't. I didn't hear about Chris Carson getting hurt, but I did see some highlights with Rashad Penny. Yeah, I don't think he got hurt. I guess they just went with the hot hand. Yeah, I mean they they wanted him there anyway. If he was the first round pick, but Carson just outplayed him. So far, you know, there's two years. So, you know, maybe it's the hot hand. I didn't hear about Carson getting hurt or nothing like that. So, you know. But Penny, I will say this about him. If he gets hot, he can, he can really run. And yeah, he, he looked good. And uh, the Eagles, Carson Wentz was 33 of 45. 256 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, three sacks, two fumbles. Uh, Miles Sanders has 63 yards rushing on 12 carries. And Zach Ertz has had 12 catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. And Buck, you know, Carson Wentz, uh, he, he just he just doesn't seem to be confident out there, man. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, he's taking ownership for all the of the – of the lack of success that the Eagles are having and he's saying the right things, but it's just not translating into um, real production out there. At some point, I mean, you're, you're going to have to get out there and, and, and execute. Um, and they're just not executing um, for whatever reason. Uh, I know they're having some, you know, the injuries are part of, you know, what they've been dealing with here lately. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, mainly the offensive line, so that's part of it. But, I mean, the rest of it is just playing out execution. It's not that they have a bad game plan. It's just they're not executed. I mean, the Eagles, I wasn't expecting them to win this game by no stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, I mean, they'd at least be competitive. And really and truthfully, I just think Seattle just outplayed them. I mean, except on defense because their defense was just straight harassing Russell Wilson to the point to where I didn't think he was going to get up a couple of times because they were really beating the brakes off of him. But, um, you know, the defense was the defense was doing their job, but the offense just wasn't, getting, wasn't executing the ball and getting it downfield. It's like I know that they're missing some receivers, and that's understandably so, but at, at some point you have to – I mean, if you're, you're not getting the production you need – then you need to work with these guys, stay a little bit after practice, do whatever is necessary to get these guys to play up to the potential so you want a football game. And they just have not done that. Um, they they got to do a better job of, you know, execution and getting these guys to learn how to play, you know, play the game. You can't, you know, the, the odds of their two receivers coming back, even in the next two games, doesn't look like it's likely. So you got what you got. So at this point, you got to do what you need to do to win the football game, and that is work with your receivers, stay after practice, you know, watch film, do whatever it is required to get you a win. And they have not done that by any stretch of imagination. It's going to cost them because you've got a weak Dallas squad that's not doing much better in front of you. And, you know, the schedule, now the Eagles have an easier schedule, but at the same time, I don't think they, they're capable of winning any of those games in the last five because they're not executing – they're not getting any offense. So, 
they better get themselves in, in gear and get it in, get it in gear and hurry, or they'll be at home for the holidays. Yeah, this is true, and I think they have the biggest case of uh, Super Bowl hangover that I've ever seen. I mean, I think this team is still living off that Super Bowl, and I, I, I just no, that's I Atlanta. I don't, no, no, Atlanta's different. Atlanta, you know, they they never recovered from that loss, but I think the Eagles never recovered from the success they had. I think the Eagles have a – this is just me, and I wish Eminem here was to, could confirm it. They just come off to me as a team that has – that thinks they're better than what they are, and because of that, they're not improving. Like, they can just roll up out of bed and, and beat teams. And, at, you know, at one point, yeah, the Eagles scared a lot of a lot of people. But, um, I mean, they don't scare anybody anymore. I mean, what, Dallas beating them, what, five in a row now? Or something like that? I mean, so – at some point, it's like they got to just kind of get back to to Eagles football, tough nosed football, like the, the the people in that area used to see them. Because to me, they're you know they're rolling out there, and then people are hitting them in the mouth. So. Yeah, think about this for a minute. I mean, there, first of all, there's nobody nobody in that football league can just roll up in there and roll. You know, you can't roll out the bed with anybody in this league because any given Sunday. So if they have that mentality, they're already going to lose the game before they even step on the football field. But I mean, they have to get it in. They have to get it in gear. It's, to me, is what it looks like. Is they're not even. It almost looks like they're not even, you know, ascertaining the the game plan. I mean, it's, I really think that coach is a decent coach. I mean, I know he's putting a good game plan in there for these guys to win. Um, could they be playing overconfident to a point to where they think they can just go in and whoop anybody? Yeah, that could be the case. But Carson Wentz has been injured. Now, I think this is what really what's going on here. Carson Wentz has been injured so much that he doesn't really have command of the offense. Sometimes when you get a lot of injuries, you can lose, you know, you can, even though you think you know the playbook, you don't know the playbook. He might want to spend a little bit more time on, on technique and attention to detail and learn that playbook again and learn how to, you know, get his receivers open. You know you don't – like I said, you got to spend extra time after practice. you got to do these things when you've got young receivers that don't necessarily know the playbook, but it also looks like Carson Wentz doesn't know it either. you got one of the best tight ends in, in, in Ertz, and you're going to get him the ball at the end of the game. You need him at the beginning of the game. you got to get him involved. You got to get your hot players involved in the game, and and Carson Wentz is not doing that. You got all that money. That money may be too heavy in his pocket too. Sometimes you get that heavy money itis, and you think you can you can do it, and you ain't doing it. So they better fix those problems in a hurry. Ain't the five games left. Yeah, they got to figure it out. So all right, another games. Um, Houston beat Indy. 20 to 17, so they have sole possession of first place in the AFC South at 7 and 4. Deshaun Watson uh, did work his magic, was able to pull off a victory. Buffalo beat Denver 20 to 3. Tampa Bay ended Atlanta's two game winning streak 35 um, 22. The Redskins got a victory over Detroit 19 to 16, and um, Dwayne Haskins needs to make sure that he stays on the field long enough to take a knee and get your first victory, and you're not even in the game. 
Um, the Saints beat Carolina 34-31. That was pretty exciting down the stretch. Cleveland jumped on Miami 41-24. Baker Mayfield 327 yards. Nick Chubbs 126 yards. 106 yards receiving. Uh, the Bears beat the Giants 19-14. Mr. Trubisky threw for 278 yards. Uh, the Titans jumped all over the Jaguars 42 to 20, and uh, man, Tannehill is is still getting W's. He is still getting W's. I mean, they're letting Derrick Henry running that run that ball, and Tannehill oh, yes. just just doing what he needs to do. Oh, um, yes. AJ Brown 135 yards receiving, and uh, Tannehill trying to work on a job. So he did his thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so looking at I'm missing him now. Uh, right. So looking at um, week 13, and uh, man, I just, whew, this season going by so quickly. Looking at week 13, we have three games on Thursday night. And Buck, I'll start with you. Chicago at Detroit. Chicago is 5-6. and six. Detroit is 3-7-1. and one. Well, if Matthew Stafford was playing, I would pick Detroit in this game because Mitchell Trubisky, you know, when he was drafted in Chicago, I didn't think he was worth shit then. I don't think they should have moved up to get him. He'd have been there in the fifth round. But didn't nobody want that fool. But they did. (laughs) Um, But since – so Mitch is out there. And right now, I mean, Detroit's back of quarterback just – I don't know, man. Detroit always lose on Thanksgiving. You know, maybe they eating turkey before the damn game. But anyway, I got to go with Chicago on this. <laughs> I actually like Detroit in this game. I actually like Jeff Driscoll to um, outperform Trubisky. But uh, let's see, Buffalo at Dallas. Buffalo's eight and three. Dallas six and five. Man, this this is a tough one. I'm a I'm gonna go with Dallas playing at home, but. Buffalo's a good team, and I know Cole Beasley wants to do a good job, but if you're Dallas, I mean, we'll see if they have any pride left. If they have any pride or whatever, Cole Beasley won't have more than 50 yards receiving. But I'll go ahead and take Dallas and hope that I'm not disappointed. And Ray got the New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints going to Atlanta. The uh, Saints are 9-2, oh, and two, and Atlanta's 3-8. and eight. And they jumped all over the Saints couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And he was away and jumped on the white guy. So, it's, I mean, you always got to go with conventional wisdom, I guess. But the way Atlanta played before, I don't know. You know, it's always going to be a shootout when they play anyway. And Matt Ryan playing, but I'm going to have to take New Orleans for obvious reasons. Okay. But Cleveland at Pittsburgh, Helmet Gate, Helmet Bowl too. You know, last game they out physical us, um, which is kind of surprising, and they kind of they they really roughed us up with with about seven injuries and a and a, and a suspension. But we are home this time, and we riding with the Duck, we're riding with Devlin Hodges. So us riding with Hodges, I think we'll have a better offensive performance. Uh, defense is going. I think this time we're going to be able to stay a little bit more true. So I'm going with the Steelers in this game. All right. Ray, you have the 
Oh, by the way, Cleveland is five and six, and the Steelers are six and five. So if Cleveland loses, they're probably pretty much done. Um, Ray, you have the four and seven Jets against the O and eleven Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. I'm gonna take the Jets. Although the Bengals are getting close this year. I don't think they can just let this leave away from them. They need everything they can get. Okay. Buck, you have the 8-3 and three Packers coming off of a butt whooping going up against the 2-9 and nine New York Giants. <laughs> the Littles ain't winning no more games this season. I mean, I know they, get, they looked up and got one last week, but... You got a mean, you got a mad Green Bay Packers team that's gonna go out here and they're gonna they're gonna blow the Giants out of the stadium. <laughs> Green Bay by like twenty five, thirty, something right. like that. Ray, the ten and one Forty ers travel to Baltimore to play the nine and two Ravens, and for some reason, this is a for some reason this is a one o'clock game. I don't understand that. Well, I mean, yeah, it should be a prime time game, but you know, they probably couldn't reach the other or something like that. But I'm gonna have to take San Francisco. I think that defense is gonna uh utilize things a little bit, but it's possible Baltimore can very well win and dominate, but it's hard for me to imagine they're gonna run through that uh defense line so big San Francisco. All right, but the two and nine Washington Redskins against the five and six Carolina Panthers. Do I really have to pick this game? No, um, have to. I'm going with Carolina. Uh, uh, I'm going to pick Carolina. Uh, I, I know Dwayne Haskins got his little, little win last week. Me self it up and all that kind of crap, but uh, I got to go. I got to go with McCaffrey. McCaffrey, man, they're going to run the ball down these boys' throat. And, you know, he he really – this uh, the quarterback needs to kind of regroup because the last, last couple of weeks he's been kind of stumbling a little bit. What greater way to, to come back and get, you know, get people talking about you again by running over the Redskins. So. All right. Carolina, all the way. And then Tom. Ray, you have the six and five. Tennessee Titans traveling to Indianapolis against the six and five Colts. The loser could be in trouble. Oh, I'm going to take Tennessee. I think Tennessee right now has more going for them than Indianapolis. And Jacoby Reset, I trust Tanning Hill more than I do him. So I'm thinking Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee is healthier, probably. And. Uh, I, I was watching DePaul versus Central Michigan earlier. I don't know if you all have seen DePaul this year, but they're undefeated at, at 6-0. and And Central Michigan's 5-1. and And Central Michigan was beating them at the half, like 48-30. to So I turned over and started watching some hockey. And I just turned back and with seven and a half minutes to go, DePaul's up by nine. So it's been a 27-point swing since I changed the channel. So I don't know what they did, but Damn. maybe Central Michigan got locked in the locker room at halftime or something. But man, 
Alright. We have the four and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the four and seven Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh Buck, who do you like in that one? Uh, the Jaguars and who? And the Buccaneers. The Jaguars and who? Oh uh, man, you know one of them games is gonna be hard to pick. Uh I, man, as much as I'd like to go with the Buccaneers on this one, you know, but it's it, the Buccaneers kind of like Atlanta. You, you you go with you go with the Buccaneers one week, and then they let they break your heart, and then the next two weeks these jokers you don't pick them because you think they ain't about nothing, and then they go out there and they beat the brakes off teams. Um, this is a game that they should beat the brakes off the Jaguars, but I just don't see that happening since ja- the Jaguars they're playing in Jacksonville. I'm going with Jacksonville on this. One. Okay, and uh, this one of these games, man, two four and seven teams is almost like. Do you want to drink the poison or you want to shoot it in your arm? I mean, it's kind of tough. But hey, that's that's what I'm saying. All right, you got five and six Philadelphia Ray against two and nine Miami. In Miami, yeah, I think the Eagles have. To, I think the Eagles have to get this one because they, man, they just been disappointed so much. I thought maybe they had one loss or something like that at the beginning of the season around this time of year, but man, they get their ass smacked right to left. And they turn their head one way to get hit another. So I think they can, they have to do it. When they lose here, you know, not only is it over, they're going to have a lot of fans turning on them too. So I'm picking the Eagles. Okay. Buck, you got the six and five Los Angeles Rams against the three seven and one Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. I'm picking Arizona to beat the Rams. Okay, all right. He thinks the Rams are just falling off Next. completely. Rams. The Rams they're not being. They ain't being. Ray, you got the San Bernardino Chargers at four and seven, going up against the Denver Broncos at three and eight at Mile High. Oh man, I'm actually gonna pick Denver in this one. Denver has the defense, although you know they have hell of five running backs. I think that the defense is gonna be enough to carry them through to beat San Diego Chargers. So I'm picking Denver. Okay. Buck, you have the ten and one New England Patriots traveling to Houston to play the seven and four Texans. You know what? As much as I'd like to go with New England because that's that's the logical pick. Um, their offense just ain't doing it, man. I know, I know that the New England has a hell of a defense, probably one of the best ones since since the '85 Bears or you know the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. But if your defense, I don't care what defense you have, if you're out on the field too long, I, I just think Houston can generate more offense. I'm going with the I'm going with Houston in this game to win in an upset. Okay, Ray, you have the. Six and five Oakland Raiders going up against the seven and four Kansas City Chiefs 
in Arrowhead Stadium. Winner gets first place. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to pick us, although everything really points to Kansas City with the quarterback and these dynamic receivers, but teams that we're not supposed to whoop, that's who we come up big on. So I'm going to keep going. All right, and Buck, last one Monday night, we have the 8-3 and three Vikings traveling to play the 9-2 and two Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks. I know the Vikings have been playing well, and I know it seems like uh, Kirk Cousins is, is a prime-time guy. I mean, his numbers have always been fairly decent. They just haven't won the game. But I think Seattle is going to be too much for them. I think, you know, um, you know, with their defense, the way they've been playing lately, um, I think this is going to be an easy win. It, I, it might be just as nasty as the one that we just got through watching yesterday. With Baltimore, you know, beating the brakes off of who they, you know, who they played. So I'm taking Seattle in a, in a huge win over the Vikings. All right, all right, fellas. So, um, real quick before we end this portion of the podcast, um, Deontay Wilder knocked out Luis Ortiz in the seventh round on Saturday night. To retain his uh, heavyweight championship belt. And um, this fight wasn't, in my opinion, as entertaining as the first one. I thought that um, Ortiz, you know, was trying to do his thing. Wilder, somebody, he was waiting on that one punch. Um, and he made it count. But, uh, Ray, I don't, I don't know. Did either of you see the fight, first of all? Yeah, I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it. And uh, what did you all think of the fight? Did you think it was entertaining? Uh, I didn't really care for the undercard all that much either. I mean, I, I like watching Santa Cruz, Leo Santa Cruz fight. But, um, I mean, the undercard was okay. But uh, this fight was not a $75 fight. And I wonder if they're going to charge $99 for the Tyson um Tyson Fury fight. The Tyson Fury fight, they announced that's going to be on February 22nd. So, uh, but uh, overall, for either one of you, what do you think of the, what did you think of the fight? Well, I, I saw it and I thought that it was a tactical fight. Nobody didn't want to get caught with you can't blame for that. So, man, I keep telling people, to me, Wilder is the hardest hitting heavyweight I've ever seen. Now, I grew up on Mike Tyson. Love watching Mike Tyson. But man, Wilder is the definition of what a game changer is. I'm like, all right, I'm looking at it. Okay, next thing you know, boom, down he goes. And I mean, he's down. You know, knock a man off his feet is that much bigger than you like that. That hasn't been knocked out by anybody else like that. It's just just incredible. I mean, Ortiz is a good fighter. They didn't mix it up like they did the first fight. And, you know, they were slugging. That's what I was waiting on. But as the rounds went on, it never happened. So, I mean, you can't blame the guy for not fighting him 10 when if he walk into something, you know, he can go to sleep just like he can. So, in the day, 
Wilder got it done, and you know now it's on to Fury. So, yeah, and um, it wasn't um an entertaining fight to me, and I understand that uh, you know neither fighter wants to necessarily get knocked out, but by the same token. Don't charge nobody $75 to watch you if you don't plan on making it entertaining. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen Mayweather fights that had more action. But um, it all kind of ended the way a lot of people thought it was going to end. And Ortiz made a mistake. And he played peekaboo with the gloves. And uh, Deontay Wilder put that right hand right in between the, those gloves. And uh, that was a wrap. Next thing you know, he was looking at the ceiling, trying to figure out that was the ceiling or the floor. And uh, so that's that's what Deontay Wilder does. And he, he was, he, I, I agree with Ray. I do think he's the hardest puncher, hardest puncher that um, I've probably ever seen. And it's not, it, it's funny because to me, it almost doesn't look like he's punching hard. When you look at his body, he's so lean. It almost looks like he doesn't have that type of power. There have been so many big guys like George Foreman and Ron Lyle and all these guys from back in the day who just, they're so big, you think they should be able to have the most powerful punch. But when you see how this guy hits and how he can hit you in your face and it makes the skin on your ankles ripple, I mean, that's a lot of power, man. That dude sends shockwaves through your body. That's <laughs> You know, and it's it's actually yep. scary and at that's, times. That's powerful. It's actually scary. What he did to Bermaine Stavern, man, I mean, that dude <laughs> is a tough guy. Stavern is as tough as they come, and he crumbled that dude. He had that dude laying backwards on his own legs, you know, folded up against a rope like a doggone beach chair or something. And he had some really big guys, and I ain't talking about that old chump dominant brazil i think he's overrated anyway and i knew he was gonna get folded up but uh i mean this this is a man who he simply just destroys people and the only person he hasn't been able to destroy yet is tyson fury tyson fury felt the power but he somehow got up maybe he's possessed by andy dalton i don't know what it is but he somehow got up and uh, i think that you know uh, Wilder has a track record with Stavern and now Ortiz to where if he fights you a second time, it's going to be worse than the first time. So, <laughs> so I am anxious to see this fight against Fury. Um, and it's February 22nd. As far as um, any other upcoming good fights, um, Oscar Valdez fights this weekend against Andres Gutierrez. Andy Ruiz Jr. and Anthony Joshua have their second fight December 7th. Uh, that's the night of Eminem's art show. So once I leave the art show, I might try to go to Twin Peaks and catch that. Uh, Jamal Charlo and Dennis Hogan fight on December 7th. And this is a fight I want you all to put on your calendar. I don't know where it's going to be shown. Richard Comey and Teofimo Lopez. Put that on your calendar December 14th. Those two guys can fight. And that's going to be a good one. Uh, Terrence Crawford also fights that night, too, against somebody 
who has so many consonants in his name. I got to buy quite a few vowels to be able to pronounce it. So, and I don't know if you all been checking oh. out Tony Harrison and Jamel Charlo, but they've been doing a lot of trash oh, talking. Yes, yes, indeed. So December twenty first, oh, all that yes. trash talking. I think I mean. think Tony Harrison gonna get him again. I think Tony Harrison's serious, man. To me, he's like he punked Jamel Charlo. But I I, I think Tony Harrison yeah, has I, that I, has that Detroit versus the world mentality. And I, I really feel like that he doesn't like this guy and he's going to try to hurt him. Yeah, I think he's going to get him again. Yeah. Because, see, Charlo's one of them guys, he he, he won fights. And you can't really say he got lucky. I think if he fight Erickson moving again, I'm not saying moving to beat him, but it'd be a much closer fight. Because Lubin was undefeated and everything. He's on his way. But he came down to like 22 years old and tried to fight him. He got caught by a lucky punch. And that fight was over. Julian Williams, another one. He get another shot, and I think it's going to be different. You know, so we're going to see with Tony Harrison, you know, I think he has a style that's going to really give him a lot of problems. Yep. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Tony Harrison, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing with him. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this portion of the show. we got a little miniature podcast that we're going to do afterwards to talk about a few things. But uh, go to TalkToQ.com. Sign up for the uh, newsletter. So that way you can have the show delivered to your inbox every time it airs. And I appreciate Ray and Buck joining me for this portion of the podcast. Everyone have a good night or good day depending on when you're listening to this and peace out hey what up q what up radio world <laughs> we got something to move tonight and we start the whole double thing up help me anything move we not out let's go Don't play intramurals, brother. But they are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice?